0: Hello and welcome to our Thursday morning doer series with Grand Theft Life. I'm Brock and I'm here with Joel Shackleton. This profile series is dedicated to highlighting individual millennials who are breaking through the typical stereotypes and courageously using new technology to make an impact and improve their lives. For more information and links to their stories and social accounts, go to grandtheft.life and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. In this episode, we're talking about Ben Francis. He's an entrepreneur from the UK who started a company called Gymshark. If you're not familiar, it's very similar to Lululemon, basically athleisure, workout wear. But the, the difference about this company and a few others that you may have heard, like what's that one Joel called? It's like, has Jane in the name. There's a few copycat Lululemon like brands. TNA.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's the difference... Yeah. I guess Ritzia does sort of copy their leggings a little bit, but there's a few other brands I think that are maybe not as successful. Ben, on the other hand, has been able to create this brand which from cliche standards in the startup world, from his parents' basement in 2012 when he was 19, all the way to $315 million in revenue they did last year or sales they did last year. So I wanted to highlight this kid because I've been watching a lot of interviews that he's done i think he's extremely well composed he's he's got a a vision for the company i think there's a lot of a lot of good takeaways from from his story as well so very briefly the story from the time he was 19 to a few years ago how it how it kind of went down was he he Proclaims that he was a tech guy. So he wasn't really focused on specifically building uh, a brand, a clothing brand. He was working on six or seven different projects at once. He said he was building websites, taught himself how to code. He was building fitness apps, actually, for iPhone. Um, But all the while, I thought it was a little strange going to university and delivering pizzas. So one interesting factoid is that he was still delivering pizzas when Gymshark was making him over 250 a year, which is crazy. I think that kind of speaks to his humility, which I'll continue to highlight throughout this conversation. But yeah, he was obviously delaying going full-time with the Gymshark brand Um, while he was not only going to school, delivering pizzas, making iPhone apps, but he also got his grandparents to get him a sewing machine and a screen printer. And he was in his garage or basement actually making 10 shirts a day on a custom basis. So that was kind of the backstory. That's the grassroots Gymshark origin story. Uh, From there, I think, I I guess I'd be curious, Joel, why, why, why did you agree to highlight Ben Francis? I know you're typically more of Somebody who's interested in like finance stories, but he's not, maybe not the most popular entrepreneur, but why, why do you like Ben Francis?
1: Uh, He's like a handsome 27 year old kid that you would never, he seemed, he's so unassuming, right? He, if you saw him on a plane, you'd be like, Oh, I want to sit by that guy. He seems nice and he's probably not going to talk to me, but (laughs) you, you start watching his vlogs and he's just, he's, he has this, I mean, he has a British accent. And um, he comes across, like, he doesn't seem as though he'd ever swear, but he's so thirsty for information and, and continued growth. And he's just so organically honest and nice that I just, he's infectious just by watching his, his content. So for that reason, I thought that it would be fun to learn a little bit more about him, but like to kind of build on top of that, there's also the fact that, I mean, I go to a pretty prototypical bro gym like good life fitness in Canada. And I would say that 40, maybe 30, 35, 40% of the women there wear gym shark clothing and athleisure wear. That is a trend that's only moved in the direction of where it's infringing on Lululemon's um, popularity and Nike's popularity and Adidas popularity. And it is, own and I mean, generally speaking, the people wearing it are very attractive, very fit, very conscious of how good they look and everything. And I do believe it has a lot to do with the fact that the brand itself does a nice job emphasizing the, their the assets of these people. So um, I found I I just think that it's one of those products that is unique. There's there's a million people selling stuff on YouTube. Nothing to me is or has done as well as um, that I can, I can pinpoint specifically as well
0: as, as Gymshark. Are you exaggerating You're... that? Because I think I live in the athleisure capital of Canada and <laughs> I barely see any Gymshark. It's all Lululemon. which maybe it's because the HQ, everybody feels loyal to.
1: There's no way that, um, I mean, you are in the athleisure
0: capital of the planet being in Vancouver. I don't know about the planet, but
1: may as well be. Like, I mean, let's get real. So you are in Lululemon town, right? So it's not surprising to me that Gymshark isn't as big there. But you go into a a gym in which there's a lot of influencers or Instagram models, people that are, like, it's noticeable that this is a portion of their business, whether they be trainers, athletes, whatever. You go to a gym that has a lot of those and you'll see a lot of Gymshark, which kind of speaks to their strategy, too, I think, right? Yeah. Um, just going back to like their origins. So um, what we like to do in this podcast is kind of identify waves, right? Um, I think that this kid has that unique ability where he has a nose for what's popular, what's going to be popular in the future and what's stylish. Um, I don't think that anything that they've done at Jim shark is unique. I think he's just been incredibly iterative in the same way that all successful brands are iterative. Would you tend to agree with
0: that? I think he's he's more innovative than most are. For example, you see everybody wanting to create. Like, I think a clothing brand might be the most popular new business idea that exists. Mm-hmm. So why isn't everybody Gymshark? Uh,
1: I don't disagree with that. And that's where I want to kind of like pinpoint this, this wave that he jumped on. So for me, um, a lot of successful entrepreneurs are, yes, hardworking. Um, they are... They're everything that you would expect. Uh, you have to be educated or um, leveraged in a certain way. But for me, you, you timing and then luck have a lot to do with it too. And I think that he, while obviously very smart, very um, hungry for, for success and, and um, obviously doing all the right things, also got lucky in his timing and his strategy. So for me, what I noticed in, in their business and the way in which they built it, they jumped on the wave of Instagram. But then what he did that was unique to, um, businesses being built on Instagram was he decided that he would start and build his brand by, um, bringing on influencers. The idea of influencers six, five, six years ago, isn't the same as today. So you need to erase your past experiences in your brain and think of just how crazy this guy was by giving, um, swag out to the, or, um, his, his, um, Maybe not necessarily sway, but his his actual athleisure wear to these people that are legitimate influencers on on um, Instagram. So think of Steve Cook and every pretty exercise model you can think of that wears Gymshark. He's giving these people this these brands or his brand to wear to the gym and take photos in. And he was doing this before anybody else was doing it. In the same and I think a lot of people have watched that documentary on Netflix about um, Beats with Dr. Dre. Never where he it. Well, anyways, they, one of their strategies was to get ultra famous athletes to wear their headphones to games, Mm -hmm. which makes people think that this is cool, right? My favorite athletes wearing this, this, um, these headphones, I want to have them myself, right? In the same way that he, I think this is just my assumption. He never really identifies as this is where success came from, but I think that he bought these influencers cheap. So Today, you have um, people that have very nice bodies. They have six, seven, eight hundred thousand followers and they're making, let's say they even have three million followers and they're making between two and five hundred thousand dollars a year in ad supported revenue, like where they'll they'll be promoting things, um, whether it be their own stuff or whatever on the side. They're making really good money. They're the cost of them promoting your equip your 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 swag is expensive. But when you're in 2014, the cost of that advertisement was, my I would just guess, probably one one hundredth of the cost of what it is today. Actually, I would argue that a large portion of those people were doing it for free. So, I think as Instagram evolved, and then the influence of the, these people started to notice how much power they had in terms of their ability to get their their um, their audience to wear the clothes that they uh, they wear themselves the The costs went up, so I would assume this guy was giving equity to people like Steve Cook, to people that um, currently rep the brand, and that to me was the reason was was the wave in which he identified early, and that that kind of propelled them into absolutely insane um, sales growth
0: since 2017. Like, do you do um, you think that was a more important decision than? Could you imagine being 20 and he was saying that retailers? I wasn't familiar with the exact names, but like ASOS and some other were actually offering him millions of dollars in massive product uh, orders to be able to have their clothing in stores, in retail stores. And he mm-hmm. said, no. He's like, I want to own the entire experience. He's like, we're never not going to be direct to consumer. Do you think Instagram influencers was more important than that? Or
1: I think just- him identifying Instagram as a mall and those people as mannequins. Um, being more important than, well, you know what? It, it was both. It's a kind of a mix. Yeah. But like, if you think about it, his growth numbers weren't insane from 2014, 2015, 2016. Like, sure, they were, I mean, 50% to 100%. But like from six, 2016 to 2017 to 2018 to 2019, his revenue numbers went from 17 million to 52 million to 103 million to 315 million. That is banana land. And that, I guarantee you, correlates perfectly with the growth of Instagram and its popularity. So I think that he made a lot of incredibly smart decisions, but also rode the wave of Instagram and the power of influencers. And he used all of it, all of it. And it's been an absolute boon. I would, argue, I would assume that this business is probably worth $5 billion.
0: Today. They're super, super along the wave of Instagram influencers. Do you think well, he's making any decisions right now that are, you know, 2012-esque what in Instagram influencers were?
1: Man, I don't why. He owns that space. You go and you look at the people that are on that Instagram. How perfect are those people?
0: Just I don't think I've down seen down. better
1: abs than I have on Jimmy Shark's
0: Instagram <laughs> you page. You and I were just literally scrolling through their Instagram trying to find... A guy that didn't have 24 abs. (laughs) Like, every dude
1: on that page is a 12 out of 10. Like, I don't know how these superstars are winning, like, sexiest man alive. Like, Brad Pitt isn't the sexiest man alive. You've been on Gymshark's page? Exactly. Idris
0: Alba? Like, who?
1: Yeah. Go on that page for like 15 minutes and you tell me that those guys aren't the hottest dudes you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Like, they're 4% body fat. They paint on their Gymshark Shark clothes.
0: These guys they are paint on their skin.
1: <laughs> yeah, their tans are definitely fake, but they're hot. Like these guys are hot.
0: Okay, so... you, gotta, you gotta admit though that he made other decisions beyond just Instagram. I I get what you're saying that he should double down on Instagram, but the crazy things to me that are you know impossible to ignore are his buildings. Because for most people that are yeah. he's 27 right now. He started building these things when he was 24. And I I would just ad- admire him so much for just doubling down. He said multiple times, he's like, Oh, we're pouring everything back into Gymshark. He's like, I don't yeah. care. If this thing went to zero, I'd build it again. He's like, I'm I'm living and breathing and, and going to die by this brand. And you know and what I, I it,
1: go ahead. I, I sorry to interrupt, but I agree hundred percent. And I something that I took away from his. Um, his YouTube video where he talked about how he built the company and he talked about how he's never hired somebody in a meaningful position that isn't way smarter than him.
0: Oh yeah. That's another huge thing. Like for him to have the humility to say, okay, I'm 26, we're making $200 million a year. You know what? I need to step down out of CEO because I'm not best for this role and go to Mm -hmm. CMO. And hire somebody from Adidas with the experience of going into global markets. Are you kidding me? Like how many people have the humility to make that decision?
1: Yeah. Like so, um, I mean, based on, based on that ability, you don't see that in the most successful founders in the world. Like yeah. Mark Zuckerberg refuses to step down and he should have three years ago. I mean, yeah. he's still able to be president, but why are you CEO, dude? This guy has, like you say, the humility to, to identify his strengths as the, the, mark, the marketer of the business. And he has his vision. And he obviously still like, he has all the voting rights, but he's not. I mean, he probably doesn't have the supply chain chops. He probably doesn't have a lot of management jobs that are required to run a business of that size of a $5 billion valuation. So this kid is just like so self-aware at such a young age. he's fascinating. and to, to think he's got this baby face, like, God damn it, man. Like this guy is just like, he's doing everything right. and like you want to hate on him because he's like the prototypical pretty boy white guy. But like you can't. He's too jacked and nice.
0: Okay, can we talk about these buildings for a second, though? <laughs> yeah, they're incredible. Oh, There's my shrines. God. There's shrines. He decided to build a forty thousand square foot office because he was doubling down on they've they've done events since day one. So he wanted to have everybody as a family, everybody working together, everybody eating together. They have a massive cafeteria there. All the majority of their they have other offices in different countries, but the majority of their four hundred employees works out of their main office. But to anybody that's listening from Edmonton, you know when you're driving down Whiteman, you see the Clark Builders, like the massive office on the right-hand side. Do you know what I'm talking about, Joel? Oh,
1: yeah, the Shrine to Clark.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, imagine. It's literally the same size, except imagine without the Clark Builders logo. It's just this big, <laughs> lit-up, fluorescent Gymshark logo. And then, and then they decide... You know that wasn't enough we're gonna get if you if you're interested look up Okta. they're the company that did all the design and they they did design for we work and all these amazing brands um, across the world but they built both the office and then this lifting club which i thought was so cool because he's all about events and experience and he built this massive auditorium this thing is even bigger than the office the 50 th- 55 000 square feet and They said they spent seven million on it, but I'd imagine—I don't know. This looks
1: like a pretty, pretty like they spent that seven million pretty well. If that was only seven million
0: bucks, yeah. Like that
1: looks like seven million pounds, maybe. Maybe that's probably what it is.
0: Maybe. Yeah, it's worth looking at because a hundred yards away, you can walk to this thing from their main office, and then everybody goes over there, works out. You know, if they have all hands meetings, they have a big auditorium. Um, you know, the coolest thing I thought, I don't know if you watched the video of him, like the grand opening of it, but on the second floor, they have this massive, that I haven't really seen in any other, I'm sure other e-commerce brands are doing this, but they have their entire studio built out as if it was a media agency. So there's different sets for for like Instagram, uh, people to come in and take photos. They even have this massive machine that they can prototype new. There's um, gyms in New York,
1: San Francisco. Um, big major cities, I guarantee. In Vancouver, there is one too, where right. um, in like Instagram fitness people can come yeah. and shoot. Oh, so really? they'll charge they'll charge like a higher fee for those people to be able to come in. They'll have editing staff there. They'll have people that'll um, film for them, that sort of thing. So those do exist, but I would assume that they're pretty they're pretty new to that. I just need to expose my 21st and 22nd ab to get access to those. No, Brock, you run by these <laughs> things. They're, they're people for, they're like me that are very sedentary and they only do bench press. <laughs> you, you're running marathons. These guys are like, these people are doing chin ups. So, Sounds um, so yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, they have this, they've created this environment, like ecosystem that people just want to be a part of. And it seems as though, um, if you're not a Gymshark model,
0: are you really even hot? Okay, did you come across their event that they hosted in Toronto? It was no. one of their first events a couple of years ago. And the theme of this event was Lift the City. They showed the lineup of people at their pop-up shop. It was hundreds of people long. If anybody's been to Vancouver, it was like twice the size of people waiting for brunch and jam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or for UFC tickets in Edmonton. The, <laughs> yeah. they're, the, uh, it's, it's weird. Toronto has this thing for pop-up shops. Like yeah. when Drake does a pop-up shop, the oh, entire city is empty.
0: That's different, though. That's Drake. He literally, if you ask DJ Khaled to spell Canada, it's spelled D-R-A-K-E.
1: <laughs> First of all, DJ Khaled, we call it D-R-A-K. There's no way he adds an E to that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know, for whatever, for whatever reason, they, like this this brand is like
0: Lift the city, though? How good is that slogan? I know. God damn it.
1: This kid, man. I don't know if he's got idea guys or what. Okay, and then I heard about this story
0: how in 2015, on Black Friday, they had just switched over. They're thinking they're big shots, right? They got, you know, eight figures in revenue. Like, Shopify probably can't handle us anymore. We're going to switch to an enterprise (laughs) e-commerce solution known as Magento and it just act like the tires fall off. He's like we were down for multiple hours. Everything was a disaster. He's like immediately we switched back to Shopify.
1: Shout out to like the one com- I think the first company we ever highlighted that has also gone nuclear. It's up like a 100% since you recommended it. Not investment advice, but uh man, it's it's so cool to hear because like I mean Shopify, Canadian company, so awesome. What an incredible story, but that does speak to the power and like quality that they provide. And not only that, something this big, I would argue probably one of the largest businesses to ever scale and build itself on top of Shopify still is staying with them. Even at this scale, that's really cool. Yeah. Like you got to, you got to love that as a, if you're a Shopify shareholder,
0: huge Shopify, fan,
1: <laughs> the biggest,
0: <laughs> but, um, I, okay what do you think about him yeah i know you had some comments about him iterating on other ideas like we we both came across their um i forgot what it was called what's their habit like the gymshark 66 or
1: yeah yeah so i mean he he's as you kind of um hinted at at the beginning he talks about all these apps that he was trying out and like every one of them is basically like my my fitness pal they're all iterations on top of apps that have already done well in the united states like he wasn't new to any of it he was trying to do new things but for europe i think like that's what he was trying to hit on and like there's but those are all that's exactly what you should be doing somebody in his spot in his spot right he has the revenue to do it to take opportunity and take chances um but the one that i kind of um the reason why i i got this uh this idea or the reason, or I noticed this about him is that it was like this gym shark 66, which is essentially like um, 75 hard where you do like you, you stick to I don't to think as specific. many people know about that as you think. As, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I've just, rec- this is what made me recognize it though. He's willing to throw a million things against the wall and go with what sticks. Yeah. But in addition to that, I do think that he's also better at, taking these chances than others. So when he's um, identifying trends in fitness, wear, I think he's better than anybody else doing it right now, besides with the exception of like Kanye and his ability to influence culture, this guy's gym culture influence is second to nobody. Like his, those gym shark pants that women are wearing, they're different. They are. It highlights women's assets. It, it looks fantastic. You have like the, the guy's stuff, very similar. he, the way, what he mentioned specifically was that gym clothes for men are cut too short. So when you're doing shoulder presses or things that where you raise it above your your above your your head, well, your shirt rises up. So he extends the the leisure wear. Everything that he was doing was an improvement on what was working already, which is I think why it's also done well. It's not just a cool like the logo. In my opinion, is ugly, but the um the wear itself is actually really nice and like obviously functionable. And for me, he has the ability to continue to do that. and I would bet on this guy. I'm happy that he he's mentioned that he would never sell. He'd rather he'd rather go to zero than sell. Um, I think that's a bad idea. If I was his advisor, I'd be like,, mm, okay, homie, that's probably not a good idea. at least sell half, man. But um, I do love, and I do think, That he's probably, if I'm betting on somebody in this space, I'd love to bet on this kid. Like, he's just he's so self-aware. He's everything you want in a founder. He's great.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I think they did amazingly well is Jim Shark, the name and the brand. Is I just I was doing a little bit of research. 98% of their traffic comes from organic, which is insane. No, really? Yeah.
1: That's a lot. So, to give people like a little bit of context, um, Gymshark is doing about, yeah, like three, what, 315 in revs last year. Lululemon did about 3.2 billion in general revenue last year. And Lululemon's been around for how long? (sighs) I don't even know. 20 years, let's say, give or take. I don't know exactly how long. I feel like I've owned the stock for 20 years (laughs) on and off. Um, But to give you a little bit of context, that's that's kind of the size difference in terms of like what they're doing in in, in terms of uh, like actual revenues. Also, interestingly enough, uh, Lululemon's equi- – um, their their leggings are twice as much money too. So uh, Lululemon has like a $34, $34.5 billion market cap. Um, I think the difference and the reason why it's probably pretty accurate to say that like yeah, Lulu's not really growing at the same pace in which um Gymshark is just because of a lot of smaller numbers. But the margin on their goods, I would assume, is substantially higher than what Gymshark has. So if you're selling your your leggings for on average ninety dollars a pair of Canadian, um Lululemon's uh, margins are are floating in that forty-two to forty-eight percent range. Whereas I would I would venture to guess that a sixty dollar or seventy dollar legging from Gymshark probably floats in that 20 to 25, maybe 35. And that's not a bad thing. It's just they don't have as much brand awareness. They don't get to sell it as a luxury brand in the same way in which Lululemon gets to. So this is not – I don't like to compare it to Lululemon because
0: it's not really the same. It's close but not, not quite. Do you think it'll still do good in – the U S markets? Cause it's primarily been UK. Like they're literally just opening their first store, physical store. I know they've been always DTC, but I think they're opening a Colorado office right now, but do you think it'll do just as well in North America? Oh yeah. I mean, you're already, I don't know if it's, I've been,
1: I mean, we've been seeing Gym shark and gyms for like the last year and a half, two years, like where it's quite popular. I don't know. You go, you go and look at your, your local, your local gym goer that also trains people I would be willing to bet that half of them are wearing Gymshark. If they have between 2,000 and 200,000 followers, they wear Gymshark.
0: (laughs) Maybe at that gym that you go to that's not good life. What's the other one called?
1: Oh, archetype?
0: Yeah. I think everyone's naked
1: in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, to me, this is like inning two for these guys. I really do. I I do. Th- I, I mean, the more we, we talk about it, the more you um, consider where it came from and where it's going to be. I really do believe it's super early. And um, if you're lucky enough to get access to equity in this business, buy it. In my opinion. You got any, uh, you got any closing remarks in regards to Mr. Francis? I
0: just like how he mentioned the four people that he wanted to go to dinner with. <laughs> Okay, so we're, we're, we're
1: toying with this being like a final question for all of our guests. So when they asked Mr. Francis, the, who he felt would be the four people he would go to dinner with, his answer was, as you would expect, I mean, interesting. But a few of them are normal, right? Like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, that's normal. But like Casey Neistat? What? And Satoshi? How much Bitcoin do you
0: think this guy owns? Not zero
1: he's definitely not 0. He's definitely not 0, which is nether. This guy's just on top of everything. He's so cool. Like he had a Balenciaga bag before Balenciaga was cool. Like this guy has everything. Like he's Von Miller but British. <laughs> I don't know. This guy's he's a, he's the white Von Miller. He's just so he's he's neat. He's just the neatest guy.
0: Okay, last idea I have in regards to Jim Shark is Some marketing things that I hadn't even thought of before, they have Spotify playlists. How good of an idea is that for a clothing company to have Spotify playlists?
1: Well, I mean, have you ever been a part of a spin unity or a spin club? They all got playlists too. I mean, it's awesome. I think it's great. It creates culture. It creates like a tribe. Yeah. There's all these things that help you like identify with their brand, with their story, with the people that are wearing it. These are all good things if you're a business, you know? Like, totally. why not? I mean, oh man, we were listening to this while we were working out now. Listen to it while I'm working, listen to it while I'm walking. They probably got podcasts um podcasts too. Like they probably they're probably doing everything. And that's where I mean he's willing to try anything. It's awesome. This guy's awesome. Last
0: last question I got for you. Does uh Gymshark mark the end of a retail first model? No.
1: Maybe for Clothing, but no. I'm just going to go with a no, because Restoration Hardware is hardware, is retail first.
0: And Warren but Buffett, I think for just new for like emerging companies.
1: How is Restoration Hardware not
0: emerging? Well, they've been around for a long time. I mean, brand new I, companies.
1: Um, no, I still don't think so. I think there's a place for retail um, to start, but. There's fewer and fewer where it makes more sense. It's really difficult. I think if you're doing really high priced items, retail makes sense still. There but if you're if you're in that 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 range in which people are willing to buy online and quickly, um I don't I will I will agree with you that it it is the end. Um Hudson's based toast. Sears I can't toast I believe
0: sleep country hasn't gone to zero yet. They <laughs> at least <laughs> <laughs> At least they bought Andy's sleep, which I admire. Well, there's like
1: what 600 mattress companies out there. The entire industry is dumb. We should do an episode on sleep on sleep, and we'll include stupid
0: mattress. Sidebar: Chance isn't gonna listen to this, but I bought him a Casper nightlight for his birthday. What a product that is. Let me tell you. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to look this up when we end it, when we uh, when we go offline. If you shake it, it becomes a flame. And you turn it over to turn it off and you can spin it to dim it.
1: <laughs> that's an ad people. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a sponsored podcast. Anyway. All right. I, I think, I think, I think that's a wrap. Um, I love that. I, I'm never going to be somebody who probably wears this brand because I'm not nearly fit enough, but, uh, and or pretty enough. It, everyone wearing it's hot as shit. I'm way too intimidated. However, um there are plenty of pretty people out there that do belong in this this athleisure wear and um i'm i'm happy we went and we we dug into this guy because he's like one of my new favorites he might be like somebody I'd, i'd add to my foursome playing golf
0: all right i'll talk to you on Sunday later buddy if you made it all the way to the end thanks so much for listening Again, if you want additional context to the people we're highlighting in this doers series, you can find links to social accounts and anything else we mentioned at grandtheft.life. We'll be back next Thursday morning with another millennial profile. In the meantime, look us up on Instagram under Podcast. that's Podcast, and do us a favor and click the follow button. By the way, this should be common sense, but this podcast and our website are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Joel does work for Gold Investment Management and all opinions expressed by him, myself, or any podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of GIM. Clients of Gold Investment Management may actually hold positions discussed in this podcast. Have a good day, everyone.